0: Turn with me, please, now to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. When we have found the place and we have God's holy word open before us, let us look to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray over the word. O Father and most gracious God, we once again, come before thee, we approach thee, the thrice holy God, in the name of the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We thank thee for the one who is God and man, two distinct natures, and God forever. We bless thee, Lord, that we can look upon Christ, many of us today, And look upon him and view him as our saviour. See him as our friend. See him as the keeper of our souls. And O Lord, we ask thee that today we might know much of thy friendship. As we turn now, Lord, to thy word. Grant us, Lord, a fresh glimpse of the saviour. Yea, Lord, our prayer would be that of the Greeks when they came one day to the disciples and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Lord, may we see Christ today. For as it was in the upper room, when the Savior came and stood in their midst, and there we read, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Lord, gladden our hearts today with a view of Christ. We ask thee now, Lord, thou would bless us around the word. Grant to me the help of the Holy Spirit. Once more, Lord, that we might be been able to preach the word, and in so doing, we will always preach Christ. Speak well of him and make much of his blood. We do ask all these things in the Saviour's name and for his eternal glory. Amen. Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. And our text for this morning is the verse 2. Verse 2, the Lord said to his disciples, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. It's our subject for this morning, the compassionate Christ. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Job 42 verses 1 and 2. That was something which that man of God believed believed that his God could do everything. Unfortunately, the disciples of the Lord were as definite what the Lord couldn't do. Because if you look there at verse fourteen of Luke of Mark chapter eight, Verse 14, we read, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. In other words, the disciples were somewhat concerned and troubled about the fact they had only one loaf of bread. And as we mentioned last week, A loaf of bread is not anything like what we can get in the supermarkets today. It was more like a biscuit that we're used to eating. So it only one loaf of bread with them. And they were concerned that they would not have enough bread to satisfy their hunger. It is obvious that the disciples were afraid that they didn't have enough bread to eat. The Savior then gently rebukes them by reminding them of what he had done with bread and fishes. For you look in the same chapter 8, in the verses 17 to the verse 21, when Jesus knew it, He saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not yet? Neither understand? Have ye a heart yet hardened? Having eyes ye see, not having ears ye hear not. And do ye not remember? Do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand... How many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, How many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? In other words, the Lord rebuked the disciples because they had only one loaf with them in the ship. And they were concerned they didn't have enough bread to eat. They had not only forgotten what the Lord did in feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. They had forgotten how the Lord had fed 4,000 men plus women and children. They had forgotten what the Lord was able to do with very little. If the Lord could feed a multitude With five barley loaves and two fishes. Or if he could feed a multitude with seven loaves and two small or some little fishes. Could he not feed the disciples with one loaf? Of course he could. He could do all those things. And they had forgotten so much. But let us not be too hasty in our criticism of the disciples because don't we suffer from the same memory loss? Don't we suffer from the same forgetfulness? When our cupboards are bare and the cruise of oil has been exhausted, don't we wonder and worry? What are we going to do? What is going to happen? And it is then that we forget, just like the disciples, we forget how the Lord has met our needs in the past. The disciples forgot how the Lord had fed the multitudes with such little supply. They've forgotten. We'll see them. We just do exactly the same. We forget that God can't do everything. He can cause the barrel of meal to waste not, neither the cruse of oil to feel. He can cause the wilderness to blossom as the rose, And I remember a song that was sung by a man called Willie Henning. He sang every year in the martyrs' church at the Easter convention. And he was always asked to sing one particular song, along with others, of course. But the one song that he was always asked to sing was, He can send raindrops out of blue skies. And praise the Lord, he can he can send raindrops out of blue skies. He can feed a multitude with a handful of bread. And sometimes we forget that. But here we see, in this second miraculous feeding of the multitude by the Lord, <coughs> and we want to consider this morning, and we will see that our dear Lord can and in can indeed do everything. Our Lord can do all things. Our God, there's nothing impossible with him. And I want to consider how he fed the 4,000 men besides women and children and how he had compassion on them. The compassionate Christ. We have a wonderful example of it here. I want us first of all to consider the crowd with Christ. Mark informs us that the crowd which had been attending to the Lord's ministry was very great. Verse 1 and verse 9. Matthew then in his account gives us a further detail. Matthew tells us, And they that did eat were four thousand men, and besides women and children. Matthew 15, verse 38. Then Mark tells us something which is, in many ways, quite remarkable. Quite remarkable. Because the Lord said in the opening two verses, in those days, the multitude, being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples on to him and saith unto them, "I have compassion on the multitude; listen, because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat." Does that not strike us as something quite remarkable? They were in a wilderness. And yet they were there for three days. And for three days they had had nothing to eat. Here we see, first of all, their days with Christ. Their days with Christ. They had been with me, the Lord says, three days. That's what the Lord told the disciples. Now we may ask, why? Why were they with the Lord for that length of time? Why didn't they go home after the first day or the second day? Why were they still there at the end of a third day? First of all, they were there because of the presence of Christ. The Lord himself explained why such a great crowd of people, men, women, and children, spent three days in the wilderness. What did the Lord say? I have compassion on them because they have been with me. For three days. No, the Lord didn't say because they have been with us for three days. The Lord said they have been with me for three days. And surely when you are in a place where the Lord's presence is real sure, you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. They had been with Christ for three days. Why would they want to leave? They were with Christ. That's why. They were there for three days. Because of Psalm 16, verse 11 tells us, In thy presence is fullness of joy. That word fullness, the word fullness means satisfying. In thy presence, there is satisfying joy. What do we often sing? Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and there's life and there's everlasting joy. Lord Jesus found in thee. Being in Christ's presence, that is most satisfying to our souls. Have you ever been in a meeting like that? Have you ever been in a meeting where the Lord's presence has been a felt reality, and you're sorry the meeting had come to a close. So it was, in the great Isle of Lewis revival, in the Ulster revival in 1859, the minister would preach, and preach, and then pronounce The meeting had come to a close. And the people didn't leave. They sat on. And they had to start and preach again. Why did they not want to leave? Because they were in the Lord's presence. The Lord had manifested his presence to the people there in that place or those places of worship. They didn't want to leave. And here was the same in the wilderness. Remember, I want to remember something. There were men and there were women and there were children. Children were there. But the presence of the Lord Jesus had so captivated them all, they didn't want to leave. Lord said they were with me. So for that crowd of people, being with Christ, it was like a little bit of heaven upon earth. Isn't that what the Lord said? John 14, verse 4, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. You'll be with me. That's heaven, isn't it? That's what heaven is. It's Christ is there. Could you imagine heaven without Christ? Samuel Rutherford said that if Christ was in hell, that's where he would want to be. He would want to be wherever the Lord Jesus is. And for those in the wilderness that day, There's a little bit of heaven upon earth. You remember what the Lord said to the dying thief? But He said, "Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom." The old thief recognized Christ as King, and the Lord said to him, "Today thou shalt be with me." There it is again, with me in paradise. The Lord's presence can turn a wilderness into the Garden of Eden. The Lord's presence can turn the most humble place of worship into a palace. It's his presence that makes the feast. What matters where on earth we dwell, on top or in the dell, in cottage, or in mansion, fair, where Jesus is, it is, 'tis heaven there. And for that multitude, that crowd of people, that wilderness was like a, was was like a heaven, because of the presence of Christ. They were there. Yes, because of the presence of Christ. They were there and stayed there for three days because of the preaching of Christ. We can only imagine what it was like to listen to the preaching of the Lord Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. What was it that was said of the Lord's preaching? Well, the old Pharisees, there they are again, they send out their officers to arrest the Lord one day. And they came back empty-handed. And they were rebuked for coming back empty-handed. They were supposed to arrest the Lord. And they, they were challenged. Why did you not arrest them? What did they say? Never man spake like this man. In other words, instead of those officers arresting Christ, Christ arrested them with his preaching. Never man spake like this man. And even when he was amongst his enemies, there in Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went into the synagogue. And the minister in the synagogue handed Christ the book And the Lord opened the book. That's what we always want to do. We want to hand the book to Christ and let Christ open the book for us. And he opened the book at Isaiah 61 and read and then told the congregation this day are these words fulfilled in your ears. Listen. This was their testimony. And they bare him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Gracious words. And here a multitude, consisting of four thousand men besides women and children, had spent Three days listening to the preaching of Christ. Three days. Three days. Listening to the preaching of Christ. No gimmicks. No entertainment. No plays. No pantomimes. No promotions. No programs just preaching that's what that multitude was in the wilderness for for the preaching of Christ you recall what is written in Mark 12 verse 37 about the preaching of Christ the common people heard him common people That is, the ordinary man in the street. He spoke their language. Whenever he preached, people could understand what he was saying. The common people heard him gladly. And no doubt that wilderness that day was filled with common people. And they heard him gladly. For three days they spent with him. Oh, how many churchgoers today are content. Indeed look forward to going to their places of worship to simply sit down and listen to the preaching of the word. How many? Sadly for many churchgoers, that does not hold any attraction at all. Not at all. What do they want? Oh, they will want a 15 minute sermonette and then another, an hour of entertainment. I tell you, that's right. Or the little sermonette is something that's just stuck on at the end. Pity that people the day when men and women go to the house of the Lord and they just want to sit down there and say preacher preach the word that's all we want we want the preaching of the word I was telling some folk about a family that has started to come to us lately and they travel a considerable distance as I know some of you folk do on the Sabbath day before we left to come down to Florida. I spoke to the man of the, of the family after the service. And thanked him for coming. He came to the both services morning and evening. It was quite a, a drive. It was actually He would have spent four hours in the car. Over the day. And I thanked him. I says, thank you, Peter, for making the effort and coming twice the Lord's day. And he reached out his hand, and with tears in his eyes, he says, brother, we have been looking for a church like this for years where well, the word is preached. That's all he wanted. He and his wife and four grown up children. He was so hungry for the word, he was prepared to go across the border from Canada into the States to find a church that would preach the word. Because you hardly hear of it now. You always have to have a service where everybody's made to feel good. I remember your former minister here, Reverend Wagner, telling us about a man who attended his church in Columbia. And he was there for a couple of months, and then the folk in the church missed him. He didn't attend anymore. And somebody happened to see him down the town and said, oh, we have missed you at church. What's wrong? You haven't come back. Oh, he says, I'll not, but go back there. Why not? Well, because your services don't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's what people want today. They want to go to church and have a warm, fuzzy feeling. Don't want to hear about their sin. Don't want to hear about holiness. Don't want to hear about Christ-likeness. No, just want a warm, fuzzy feeling. That they'll not be disturbed about their state of their soul or their lives. Well, here was this multitude. And they were there. Three days. Three days. Listening to the preaching of Christ. You Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter eight. Nehemiah, book of Ezra, and the book of Nehemiah in the Hebrew Bible, they're one book. And the theme of Ezra and Nehemiah is revival. The people returning from captivity, building the temple, and then under Nehemiah, they erected the walls. Now you look at Nehemiah chapter eight, and verse one. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. Which is interesting, water in the Bible is a type of the word. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book. That's what they wanted. Bring the book, Ezra. Bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. and Israel the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. That's children. Upon the first day of the seventh month, and he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. From the morning till noonday, know how long that is? Six hours. They gathered the, the water again at six AM and they stood there. They stood there until 12 noon. And the word was read. And then speakers were strategically placed in the midst of the multitude and as the word was read by Ezra, those men and the multitude there would explain the word to the people around them and that's how they got the word spread around. And they stood for six hours. What did they say, Ezra? Ezra? Bring the book. It's all we want. Bring the book. May that always be our prayer. Preacher, bring the book. Preacher, preach the word. They were there with the Lord for three days. Not only because of Christ and his presence, the presence of the Lord and the preaching of the Lord... But the power of the Lord. The power that was manifest there. For great things were taking place there. In that wilderness. In Matthew chapter 15. In in Matthew's account of the events. Matthew 15 and verse 30. And great multitudes came unto him. Having with them those that were lame and blind and and dumb, and maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Boy, there was power in those meetings in the wilderness. Lives were being changed. Isn't that marvelous? Wherever the power of God is, lives will be changed. And the people wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified God. It's power. Is that what we need? We need the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We've noted some things about the days with Christ. Let us notice also their denial for Christ. The dear Savior had compassion on the multitude because he said, They have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. They denied themselves food for the sake of Christ Christ and his preaching and being in his presence they denied themselves food so that they might be with Christ they had denied themselves bread so that they might receive the bread of life delivered to them by Christ himself this reminds us of the words of Job in Job 23 and verse 12, Job says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary foot. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary foot. That would have been a testimony of those that were in the wilderness that day. They had esteemed the words of the Lord's mouth above their necessary food. They would rather listen to the preaching of the word than have food to fill their stomachs. They wanted the food to satisfy their souls. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. There the prophet spoke about finding the Lord's word. When he found the words, he says, I did eat them. The word of the Lord was his food, was the food for his soul. The word of the Lord, brethren and sisters, today is the food for our souls. May we always have a love for the Word, a hunger for the Word. May we esteem the Lord's Word even above our necessary food. As well as their days with Christ and their denial for Christ, we notice their distance to Christ. The Savior said in verse 3. The diverse of them came from far. Some of them were prepared to travel any distance. That they might be with Christ and that they might be under his ministry. Some, the Lord said, came from far. Seemed to be a common occurrence. We read in Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4, there in the verse 25. And there followed him great multitudes of people. From Galilee, from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Jordan, or from Judea. And from beyond Jordan. Now I don't know the distances between those locations. But one thing I do know. Between Galilee and Jerusalem. And the people came from Galilee. And they came from Jerusalem. Between Galilee and Jerusalem. Is a distance of over a hundred miles. And people were prepared to travel a hundred miles. to listen to the word being preached by the greatest of all preachers, the Lord Jesus Christ. Came from everywhere, north, south, east and west, to sit under the preaching of the word. This reminds us of the word spoken by Jacob when he blessed Judah, Christ is of the tribe of Judah, of course. And he spoke about Christ, Genesis 20, 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. Christ is Shiloh. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Isn't that great? Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. They'll come from everywhere. They'll come to Christ. And when the multitude stand before him on that great day, of every tongue and nation under heaven, they have gathered on to Christ. For unto him shall the gathering of the nations be. Praise his name. And Christ is the great attraction there in the wilderness that day was witnessed the drawing power of Christ. Witness the drawing power of Christ. Number of years ago, the Lord challenged me with the words of the Lord in John 12 and verse 32. When the Lord Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. I, if I be lifted up from the earth. And remember praying at the time, Lord, help me ever to lift up Christ. Let me see the drawing power of a lifted up Christ. Well, here it was seen in the wilderness and the people came from everywhere to listen to the preaching of Christ may we ever seek to lift up Christ whether in the pulpit or in the pew may we lift him up lift him up because he's worthy of all our praise as well as the crowd with Christ, we notice the compassion of Christ. When the Savior said, I have compassion on the multitude, there in verse 2, those words mean, my heart is moved with compassion. Referring to his heart, the heart being the seat of the affections. We say to our spouses, I love you with all my heart. The heart is the seat of the affections. And the Lord looked upon the multitude that day and he said, My heart is moved. My heart is moved for this multitude of people because they've been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. But notice, it was to the disciples that the Lord spoke those words. You look again at Mark chapter 8. We have read in verse 1, In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called the disciples on to him. So, this wasn't just something that he said generally for everyone to hear. No, he wanted the disciples to hear. And he called the disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Here we have his revealed compassion. He revealed it unto the disciples in a very personal way. We mentioned last week that the Savior very seldom opened his heart and told people what was in his heart. But here's one of those occasions. And then you recall when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. He opened his heart again. And told those who were listening, I am meek and lowly of heart. And again in Gethsemane, he led the disciples even deeper into those innermost feelings of, him, of, of the Savior's heart when he said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And the disciples failed to do that. Christ we know is God. He's also man. He slept as man sleep. He hungered as man hunger. He wept as man weep. He was sorrowful. as men are sorrowful. And here in his greatest hour of need, the Lord asked his disciples, watch with me. Will you pray with me? Will you be with me in prayer? And they failed them. For when he came, he found them asleep and said, what? Could you not watch with me one One hour. That's all he asked. And they failed him. So why then did he reveal such things to his twelve? In the first place, he wanted them to learn what it is to be meek and lowly of heart. That's why he told them, I am meek and lowly of heart. He wanted them to be meek and lowly of heart. He wanted them to be like him. In Gethsemane he wanted them to know about his deep sorrow of heart. And now here he wants them to know what it is to have a heart full of compassion and love for needy souls. See, the Lord opened his heart to those disciples to teach them something. He's always teaching. He wanted them to be meek and lowly of heart. He wanted them to learn what it is to have sorrow for needy souls as Christ was going to the cross to die for us. And He wanted them there in the wilderness. To learn to have compassion for the needy souls. Why did he reveal these things unto the disciples? Because he wanted them to be more like him. That's why. To be more like him. He wanted them to have a heart of compassion like his own. Just as Peter said in 1 Peter 3 verse 8. Be ye all. Of one mind. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Why else would Christ open his heart in this way to the disciples? Because he wanted them to be like him. I want dear Lord. A heart that's true and clean, a sunlit heart with not a cloud between, a heart like thine, a heart divine, a heart as white as snow on me, dear Lord, a heart like this be stow. Will we not make that our prayer? It was a revealed compassion, it was a righteous compassion. I say righteous compassion because it is divine. Yea, it is the compassion of God. And Christ was moved with compassion, he was moved with compassion as he is God. Just as David said, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, and gracious, long suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. And the compassion that went out to the multitude went out from the heart of God that day. We want to get a hold of that. The Lord was moved with compassion and moved in his heart the innermost feeling of his heart. That was the compassion of God. That's the compassion the dear Savior had. For needy souls, J. C. Ryle, the first Protestant Bishop of Liverpool, said this: "Of all the feelings experienced by Christ when upon earth, there is none so often mentioned as compassion. His joy, his sorrow, his thankfulness, his anger." His wonder, his zeal are all occasionally recorded. But none of these feelings are so frequently mentioned as his compassion. Isn't that something? None so frequently mentioned, of all the feelings of Christ that we read about in the gospel, none so frequently mentioned as his compassion. No wonder then that in the Psalms, David spoke about the Lord being a God full of compassion. And I discovered that that phrase, a God full of compassion, is mentioned five times in the Psalms. Five, the number of grace. And aren't we thankful that by God's grace he had compassion on us? And haven't we experienced that compassion as it is written in Psalm 78, verse 38? But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Listen to those words again. But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. That's our testimony. That's our testimony, believer. He, being full of compassion, forgave us. And he didn't destroy us. And we deserve being destroyed. But instead, he who is full of compassion had compassion on us by his grace. Indeed, it is interesting. The number of times in the Gospels, That Christ is recorded as having compassion on the needy. You know many times? Seven times. Seven different times. We read about the Lord having compassion on the needy. Whether it was a multitude, whether it was an individual seven times seven we know in Bible numbers is the number of completeness or the number of perfection now apply that to the compassion of Christ and what do you have the compassion of Christ is perfect perfect and it is complete no flaws, no feelings, no faults because he is God that's the compassion of Christ. That's the compassion he showed that day to the multitude there in the wilderness. He was moved from the head, his innermost heart. Moved with compassion. And there was nothing superficial or hypocritical about it. It was all genuine. It was perfect. Praise his name. Quickly, it was a rebuking compassion. The compassion that the Lord showed that day revealed itself in a number of ways. But there is one way in particular that we should note. Mark 8 verse 3. If I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For diverse of them came from far. Do you go over to Matthew 15? In Matthew 15. And there we read in verse 32. (coughs) Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him, And said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Mark these words. Mark these words. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. But mark the words. I will not send them away. Why did the Lord emphasize that? To his disciples. It seemed to be something as it were all out of the blue. I will not send them away. Do you know why he said that? Because when the Lord was faced with feeding 5,000 men besides women and children. In John chapter 6 you can read it. John chapter 6 the Lord challenged the the disciples what we were going to do how we are going to feed them you know what they said send them away that was their answer to the problem oh just send them away and I believe this was the Lord reminding the disciples of what they had said when he fed 5,000 he says I'm not sending them away He was reminding them of what they had said. And the Lord says, I will not send them away. And neither he did. He didn't send them away. Instead, he had compassion upon them and how we need to be taught over and over again. that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. In the last place, and with this I'll close, you have the conduct of Christ. Because they more or less presented the same question to the Savior in verse 4, as they did whenever he fed the 5,000. Verse 4, and his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? more or less said the same thing in John 6 verse 7 and how slow we are to learn from lessons about the ability and the power of Christ first of all we see the request the saviour did not answer his disciples question whenever they asked the question from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness he didn't answer them directly he just said and he asked them how many loaves have ye and they said seven and this brings in what Mr. Banfield mentioned there in his opening prayer now what was seven loaves to four thousand men besides women and children wasn't very much but he took them and he blessed them And he used them. Whatever we have. Let's put it into the hands of Christ. Say, oh, I don't have much. I don't have many talents. I can't do this. I can't do the other. Whatever you have, give it to Christ. And I'll guarantee he will make use of it. Take my hand and let them move at the impulse of thy love take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for the request the receiving again seven loaves and a few small fishes and we're told he took the loaves and he blessed them and he took the fishes and he blessed them listen You give the Lord your life and he'll bless it. Give the Lord your life and he will bless your life. Give your Lord your love and he will bless that love. Give the Lord what little you have and he will bless it. He'll bless it. Then you have the result. Verses 8 and 9. So they did eat and were filled and they took up at the broken, of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand and he sent them. That's when he sent them away. You see, the Lord never sends anybody away hungry. When you go to Christ to be fed, he'll feed you. And you'll not go away hungry. The Lord didn't send the multitude away until they were fed. May that always be our prayer. Lord, feed my soul. When we go to the Word to read it, when we go to the Word to hear it, when we go to the Word to study it, Lord, feed my soul. You pray that, and he'll not send you away. Let's bow our heads in prayer. O dear Lord, we bless thee again for the great love and compassion of our Savior. We give thee thanks, O Lord, for his heart been moved when he saw a multitude of hungry Weak and weary souls. We thank thee dear Lord. For thy compassion. We thank thee for thy love. And Thou dost see us. When we are weak. And down. And thy Lord does have compassion. On us. Lord be with us this day. May we take thy word with us. And even meditate take upon it today and be pleased in thy will to return us again this night Lord to worship thee now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide and remain with us now and until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away Amen